Segunda Show. Hi, this is Anya Marina, and you're listening to my synchronistic soul brother, Andras Jones, on Radio 8 Ball. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions with the songs, which we will randomly select. Here with the help of our friend Synchronicity. Now it's time. To Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and every Radio 8 Ball show features a musical guest providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And for this pop oracle session, we are joined by yet another band from omnivore records that we have no official relationship with omnivore Rec- records other than we love good music and it seems like so many of the great artists that we are having on our show like jeffrey Gaines on our last show or his producer chris price or vivian cook or our guests here today dead rock west welcome to radio 8 ball dead rock west hello and uh i'd love for you to no, 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 you, no! You, you are totally invited to to to, to introduce yourselves. Come on, let's. Uh, actually, what I'd love is, could you introduce each other? Sure. Because you're a duo here in the okay. studio. Well, maybe I'll start it off. Um, Who's sitting next to you? Uh, my name is Cindy Wasserman. I'm frankly Drennan. And we are Dead, Dead Rock, Rock West. West. And they do everything in harmony. It is a beautiful thing to see how that happens. They smile. They're smiling in harmony right now. It's a one. This, they are. Uh, let's say natural purveyors of what is the mo- what is truly soulful about San Diego. Is that wrong? Is that wrong to say? No. No. And you have a list of eight songs numbered one through eight that I have here. And if you wouldn't mind, maybe Frank, would you mind mm-hmm. playing just any old chords or something so that I can, I can read the. There we go. So. Song number one. I'm play something and I'll say what it is. I mean, you play play some chords and I'll read the songs over them. Song number one. All I know. Song number two. Radio silence. Song number three. More love. Song number four. Stereo. Song number five, Highway One. Song number six, Nail Gun. Song number seven, Singing on the Telephone. And song number eight, Darkness Never Tells Slash Bleeding Blue. 
And that was the list of songs that we're going to be going from. And throughout the show, we're going to be asking questions, which will then be answered by those songs randomly chosen, either by spinning the Wheel of Eight, picking the Radio 8 cards, or flipping the Radio 8 coin. And we're going to have some questions from some amazing people. You've curated an incredible show. I know everyone's excited about my friend, the director, Jackson Stewart, who's coming in. And then we have a couple of, uh, you know, like some people like, what, Peter Case is going to call and ask a question. And some there's a band, what are they called? X, yes, we're going to have three founding members of the band X asking me, asking us a question that will be answered by the songs here that are randomly selected with the help of our friend, Synchronicity. That's right. right. And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball. <laughs> and uh, and, your, and uh, we, we hope we're going to have another, but we won't say who it is yet ah, because it'll okay. be a surprise if we, yes. to all of us if we, if we make it work. Okay. <laughs> and then the first question comes from me. And uh, we're in the third show in a row. So I've kind of got my, I kind of got my yayas out in terms of asking. Fans of the show will know that we always start the show with me asking a question that I like to say drives the show into the ditch. I like to just totally forego any of the convention, the natural conventions of showbiz, which is that you're supposed to make people feel good with entertainment. I feel like there's so much, everyone's taken work on that side of the street. I want to face up to the bad shit. Start out with the bad shit. But you know what? I got, them bo- I got most of my bad shit out. The first episode was dark, dark, dark question. Second episode was kind of, uh, the one we did with Jeffrey Gaines was a little bit more just like personal, like more embarrassing. I had to admit something it was embarrassing to say on the air, but no, I'm not really embarrassed about it. I just admit that I have big feelings about dumb little things and I'm working on trying to express those instead of act on them all the time. So uh, but so now we're at the, the third of these, and actually I, I'm finding myself wanting to move towards the positive because I'm realizing I have this incredible gig. I get to sit, I get to hang out with some of the best musicians and songwriters in the business and talk about songwriting and talk about synchronicity. Uh, I mean, the show is about synchronicity, but I'm realizing, and this is where I'm going, that, that I'm realizing more and more that this show is really about songwriting, because that's all we end up talking about so much, because the songwriters really drive the show, and it's the, the, the sacred artifacts that you create are the answers, the oracle fodder for our questions. And then when we come to you, we'll talk about how you came up with the song and the magic of songwriting and how it can change when it becomes someone else's in their ears, as opposed to just what you mean when you're saying it. And then I'm, I'm realizing I'm talking to all these people and talking about, hey, we're songwriters, we're songwriters, we're talking, we're hanging out and talking to songwriters, but I haven't actually put anything up. So if I was listening to the show, I would think, oh, this guy is just some failed songwriter who's, why is he talking about himself in the same breath as these people that he's hanging out with, in a way? Like, if, he did, if, he's, if he's a songwriter, let's hear something, right? Uh, and then this is reminding me of this neighborhood, not just the neighborhood that we're in, which is Burbank, but the neighborhood you're inviting into this studio, X, Peter Case, and it's taking me back to, to the Iguana Cafe. I don't know if you remember the Iguana Cafe, but for me, that was a formative, huge experience. And I, I got invited there because I worked on a film in 1990 with Viggo Mortensen, who was married to Exine Cervenka, who's going to be a guest on the show. And I introduced him to my agent, who is now his manager still, so that, you know, Whoa. good. But... I feel like I got just as good out of the bargain because he introduced me to the Iguana Cafe. He invited me to come see Duke McVinney play at the Iguana Cafe. Changed my, like, totally changed my whole life. Maybe not for the better in terms of my career because it sets such a high watermark for just the purest of the pure of songwriting. And you have people who are like, 
me, and at that point, uh, Debbie Pass, Deb Pasternak, or Liz Burns, or even Dan Byrne, Tracy Thielen, people who were like younger and trying to come up. And then you'd have people, and Beck was even one of those kid, one of those kids then. But then you'd have people like Duke McVinnie or Tony Gilkison or Exine Cervenka or uh, John. What's it? No, what's it? John Prine. Uh, would play there and you'd be and it was just it was amazing and we and it had this sense of like everyone was just always coming with their newest song like everyone was just like and I'm that's the first first place I saw Dan Byrne Julie Christensen I was was someone who was uh, really one of the first people I met there and was so encouraging um, and so when I think of X that's one of the things I don't think people know about X uh, that they were a lot like you. That's why it makes sense that they come through what you're doing because they were also like they had this we're punk and we're you know we're punk image, but on the street they were songwriter, sort of acoustic musician loving people. You know they're artists and they and there's a lot of Bukowski and Tom Waits and other things that are in there that don't necessarily get presence. And that was so much what the Iguana Cafe. Oh, and I wouldn't be I should say I should mention Tom, who ran the whole place. Tom Ionello. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, you know, it was huge. And because I've been listening to your music and thinking about this and thinking about the show you've curated, it's put me in mind of that. And so with all of that, and then there's this, and then this sense of like, okay, well, if I was hanging out there, I would just play my newest song. So I want to, I'm actually going to experiment with something. I may never do this again. If this doesn't work, listeners, you know, you will never, this will never happen again if it doesn't work. But if it does, maybe we should, it becomes a new way of creating, of like having a, what we used to have would be great with these song swaps where songs were a conversation. Someone would play a song and then someone would play a song in response to that. Or someone would write a song and then the next week someone would come in and write a song in response to it. And it was like something that just can't happen in the marketplace. It's sort of used to with the Beatles and the Stones or something. Like they would, com- they would be communicating with each other, but it's not something that happens as much. Uh, maybe it happens more in hip hop now, maybe. But um, anyway, um, I appreciate your giving. You, I asked you two to give me good attention. This is like, oh, nobody gets good attention like this. The two of them beaming yeah. at me, our listeners. If you like, you followed me through some dark times. I deserve this. <laughs> this is great. Um, so this is a, so all this goodwill. I am now going to totally throw out the window. This is one. The other thing is, I don't think I could do this with uh, with one person in the audience because I feel or one person in the room because I feel like it'd be too much. But I feel like the two of you can take care of each other in case this blows up in our faces. You can shield each other from the blowback of this song because I don't play songs much anymore. I write them, and I certainly recently I've been invited to start playing Tuesday nights when I'm here at Mark Platt's event at the State Social House, which is right across from Old Tower Records. So all of a sudden, in the in the what are, I don't know, like the graveyard of my music career, which is fine. I'm happy. I record in a graveyard. I love having a dead career. It's the best <laughs> kind of career to have. But I find like this super sweet gig in the attic at the, right on Sunset Boulevard, like where I would have loved to have had a gig when I was friggin'. 19, 20, 21, 22, and living in L.A. Anyway, so I wrote, the, I had, I got booked for this gig, and I didn't want to show up without a new song because I would be boring. Uh, and I don't have a set list that I'm trying to sell a record. So I'm going to play this song for you, and this song is going to function as my question. Uh, it kind of ends with a question, but it maybe it just brings up a topic that there's so many questions about. And then what I'm going to do is then I'll spin the wheel, and you'll play a song that's going to be the answer to the question that this song, the questions this song raised. And uh, in the interest, you know, in the spirit of the Iguana Cafe, here I am, a pro- like imagine me as a 
22-year-old kid, and I've seen Dan Byrne, and I've seen Tracy Thielen, and I've seen Duke McVinney, and I get a chance to get up on that open mic stage, and I'm all those nerves that I haven't felt in like, tw- like in personally in my body in 25 years, but I'm trying to remember what it's like to feel nervous to step up to a microphone, and then... Moses and Dylan Who is the hero And who is the victim Of Mia and Woody Woody and Mia You gotta choose Moses or Dylan It's either Dylan or Moses Look them up online Make your own expert prognosis About Woody and Mia Mia and Woody And then we Cry out collectively What about Sun She's married happily and Sinatra's babies on network TV. The spiritual sequel of that film by Polanski. Shot in the Dakota in 1968. They wanted it all, but they just had to wait. For Dylan and Moses Moses and Dylan Ronan and Sunyi Sunyi and Ronan And Woody and Mia Mia and Woody Moses and Dylan and Ronan and Sunyi and Mia and Woody It's a crazy show. What do you call it? And that's my question for the Pop Oracle. And now, to engage the Pop Oracle, I'm going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 na. We love eight. Song number eight. It's a double song, Darkness Never Tells and The Bleeding Blue, the dualistic answer to the question posed by my song, which the title is Dylan and Moses and Ronan and Sunye and Mia and Woody and Me.
Walk like a child, think like a thief. Lips sewn shut so the tongue can't speak. Outside the sun is blackened and bruised. My ears are deaf and my heart is too. Sand on the beach. I don't know what to do or who I ought to be. God, please help. I'm broken down to shell. I don't see where the light is, and the darkness never tells. Bleeding blue, bleeding 
that was Darkness Never Tells and Bleeding Blue, the answer to the question, the many question, the myriad questions that might be posed by my song, Dylan and Moses and Ronan and Sunyi and Mia and Woody and me. <laughs> Hashtag, or in parentheses, that's quite a show. What do you call it? Um, the Aristocrats! Oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> that's uh, yesterday on Je- yesterday's show. Jeffrey Gaines uh, uh, was I was asking about his songs and he was like, once I write them, they're done. I don't even really think about them anymore. They're like I write them and then, you know, you get passionate about them and then eventually you just throw them away unless they end up on a record and then you end up and then they become a hit and you have to play them or get to play them for the rest of your life, depending upon how you feel about the song. God forbid. Uh, so anyway. That was those. That was amazing. I love that there was the duo. Like we have such a dualistic thing going here. It's the two of you, and we start with two songs, and we're gonna have your two questions at the end. And one of them may we may have one of them, or we may have two. Everything's so Schrodinger's cat about this show, and I love it. Uh, so now this is the point where uh, we open up. I know I've just like uh, just exploded my stuff all over this this format, and now we dig it out of the ditch and we get into the songs. So. Who did you both write? Do you, how, how does this work? Do you both write the songs? Do you who writes the songs? Mostly, Frank. Frank is the he's the Robbie Robertson of exactly. this yes, enterprise. This the Pete Townsend duo. of this enterprise. Are that these the, are, are these the right touch? Who are the right touchstones? I don't want to get into like who are your influences, man. But when you think of it as like a like, how do you, how does how does this this uh, well then talk about these songs? Like how does the what are these two songs? Where do they come from? Okay. Uh, you know, just being broken. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. And that's, you know, uh, something that I find difficult talking about a song because I think, um, as a songwriter, I resort to that to try and express something that I otherwise don't know how to talk about. Um, so to explain the song, I guess, is difficult for me because... I just want to say, well, just listen to it again, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and but that, those two songs came in the same afternoon. Yeah, tell us about they, that. Afternoon. They came so yeah. close. Well, it was, um, it was just, um, just my feelings of of wanting to. <laughs> Where were you? Was this I don't mean to be a no, 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 no. I, I was living yeah. I, uh, not far from here, actually. On. You know, on Irving. On in, Irving? Irving in, uh, in uh, Victory Boulevard. Okay. And I wrote so... it on a second story of an apartment building. And was it like in the last five years? Like when was this? Yeah, recent just song? recently, yeah. Yeah. So, so was this, I mean, did you write this when you knew that you were making a record or did you write it just because, oh, I got to write this? Like, I, I, well, yeah. Like sometimes you write because you're on a project and sometimes you do the project because you got this, oh, I, there's this thing that I wrote and I want to make sure it gets in here. Which was which... I do have a certain way of doing things in general uh, creatively, and that is I, I'm 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 sort of tending a garden all the time, and and I have stuff in in different stages of being finished. Some of it fin- gets finished very quickly, um, you know, in one one or two sittings. Um, other things, you know, other things take weeks and months, and and sometimes I abandon them for even years, and will will somehow circle back to them. And and then as far as, you know, making a record, it's something that's constantly fluid with Cindy and I. We're constantly talking about what what we're 
what we're influenced by, what we're listening to, and you know, <clears throat> thinking about just trying to write f- from a man and woman's perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's um, a, a good challenge for me. You know, because there's a there's a there's a lot in that. Yeah, no, it's something we've talked about a lot on the show. I remember when we had uh, we did a Tom Petty. You were in Tom Petty T-shirt. Yep. We had done the around after he passed. We did a Tom Petty tribute show, and one of the things we were talking about was the how much how fluidly, even though he's such he was such a a mass. He's had a lot of really powerful masculine energy, and the music is sort of. We were joking because every everyone who was there was a bunch of middle aged white dudes playing these songs. That's just who responded when I put out the call. But uh, but we were joking about how like even though that's the case, he as an artist was so gender fluid, and there's a lot of femininity in the way that he expressed himself, and that's part of what made his music so universal and so compelling is that it wasn't macho was very strongly masculine, but not macho. And that left a lot of room. And so when you're talking about writing for male and female, it came up because we were talking about how Stevie Nicks almost joined the Heartbreakers. And then they were like, no, no chicks in the band. But I was that's what they said. I'm not making that up. That's <laughs> their line from the thing. But uh, but I always just thought, you know, that would have been a really cool record, a little one-off. Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks yeah. and the Heartbreakers. Fucking hey, that would have been in a... But it was a different time. And, yeah, there, you know, watch the watch that... A documentary about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, and uh, you'll see why maybe that wouldn't have worked. Anyway, let's bring it back to my question because we got we have a whole raft of people coming in to ask the question. So, I mean, pretty simply, uh, so when I played that song at this event that I played it at, someone the one there was someone who liked it. and He came up and he's like, "So, what's your, you know, what's your take on it?" And my take on it is. I don't have a take on it. I'm highly propagandized by a bunch of stuff about a bunch of people who I don't know, who I and everyone else have incredibly strong feelings about. And I have a definite opinion about that, about all of us having an opinion about these people. Right. And I have a general opinion that children are not, no children is responsible for the bullshit of their parents, although every child is responsible for the bullshit of their parents. And my heart goes out to the kids particularly, and then the adults as well, because divorce and all that, like there's, yeah, and I don't, and I don't, whatever, I don't even get into the, the quagmire of trying to say who did what, because I think part of the the problem is people pretending we don't know, that we know when we don't, and projecting our own brokenness on other broken situations. And so when you say that the song is about being broken, that's one of the things I feel like there's like there, it expresses a brokenness. The reason that that joke of the aristocrats is funny <laughs> is because it make it allows us to laugh at something that is totally not funny and is totally endemic to our society and is is really really broken to the point where people are shooting each other up high school like there's just it's you're, you're freud like, freud was right i'm sorry really just like that on this level that where you're broken subconsciously it explodes and young all these psychologists they're right so what you wait i well i'm just saying so. you know in instead of explaining you know that song you know it's it's just it's saying stuff that you can't really say out loud yeah, and and but if you sing it, it's it's a totally different uh, mm-hmm. pers- story. People are open to to hearing a song th- that's talking about stuff that's yeah, well, pretty it, intense, you know, emotionally heavy stuff that somehow 
is is acceptable if you sing it, you know, and uh, listening to it, it kind of makes you feel better. It does me when I hear somebody just like putting it on the table and letting it be what it is. Yeah. Um, instead of pretending it's something else. Yeah. You know. Well, I think we're going to have a lot to explore over the course of this episode. <laughs> and thank you for holding such wonderful space for my ramblings. And now for the rest of this, it's like, really, you're the stars of the show. Each of our guests that's going to come in, they're going to be the star of that episode. We're going to roll out over the course of a week, and people will be hearing these one a day. And then sometime in the future, once Dead Rock West have ruled the world world with their music, people will look back and be like, oh, wow, so cool. They, they had, How did they get those cats in the studio? <laughs> anyway, that's it. it. There you go. Cindy doesn't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Okay. I love it. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show. <laughs>